all of you once again, always a joy to be with you, to bring the Word of God. Nothing greater or more important than to be able to share the Word of God. In a world today that has brought the Word and diluted the Word, and even some have said that they don't even feel the Word of God is important anymore, so we decided to do other things. Yeah, these are people in church. My friends, the Word of God is always paramount. The Word of God is always to take precedent in every service and in our lives. We want to continue to study our series this morning on modern-day Davids. Modern-day Davids, and my text is found in 2 Samuel chapter 5. We'll begin at verse 17 to 25. It's our text this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17 to 25. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came up and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. David, notice, please. Here it is. This is our key word for today. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will thou deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. David came to Baal Perazim, and David smote them there. And he said to the Lord, hath broken forth upon thine, mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perazim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them there. And the Philistines came up, notice please, yet again. Notice, the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David, there's that word again, keeps coming up over and over again, doesn't it? And David inquired of the Lord and he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir them. For then shall the Lord go out before you to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Giba unto thou come to Gezer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that your word would go forth and take root into our hearts today. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing all the 
bones and the skin and the ligaments going deep into the marrow of the bones. Go deep into our marrow, in the marrow of our bones this morning, Lord, revealing the intents, revealing our hearts this day, Father, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I've entitled this message, Can You See the Wind? Can you see the wind? Seems kind of strange, doesn't it? But can you see the wind? And as we begin, I need to bring us to a bit of a, a backdrop before we understand really what's going on in our text. We learned last Sunday and a few Sundays ago that David has now become king. He's become king over Israel. And David does certain things that sets him apart, that reveals his heart. And let me tell you something, friends. Whatever you do, especially the first things that you do when you're given a new promotion or a new job, the first things are very important. What do you do when something is given to you? David does something. He's now king. Saul is dead. His arch enemy is dead. The one that hated him is dead. The one that wanted to kill him is dead. What would you do if your enemy has died and now you're taking his position? This will reveal your heart. What will you say of him? We learned that David refused to rejoice when Saul fell. This revealed his character. This revealed that David didn't take vengeance, that he trusted in God to bring vengeance. Modern day Davids do not take vengeance over anyone. Doesn't matter what they did or didn't do, vengeance is of the Lord. Modern day Davids understand that. Number two, he received a fresh anointing. He's now 30 years old. He's now king. And the Bible tells us he received three different anointings. And we talked quite a bit about that last week. And that's, that's amazing to me because, because if you're anointed once, shouldn't that be enough? And we know that David was anointed when he was 16 by Samuel in 1 Samuel 16. Then he's anointed over Hebron and then he's anointed over Israel. Three separate anointings. And what we learned last week is for every new assignment, this is very important, for every new assignment there must be a fresh anointing. Some of us are depending upon yesterday's anointing to do new things. Doesn't work that way. Then David repaid a debt of his predecessors. We learned last week that when Saul committed suicide, the Philistines took his body and Jonathan his son and to make fun of him, the Bible calls it to make sport of him, they placed him upon the wall at Beth Sham where I actually visited when we went to Israel. There to make fun of him, to mock Israel, to mock their king, and to mock their God. And some of David's men heard about this, and they risked their lives, and they rescued them, took them off the wall by night, and they burnt their bodies so that they wouldn't ridicule what happened to Saul. And in light of that mock God, they risked their lives. And David goes back to these men, and he says thank you for risking your lives he 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 lifted them up and he and kings didn't do that but david did we paid a debt didn't have to do that reminds us of jesus 
who paid our debt. We didn't have, he, he didn't have to do that, but he paid a debt he didn't owe. David didn't have to do what he did, but he did it anyway. We learned a few weeks ago that the test of Christianity, the true test of Christianity, the true test, not just a test, the true test of Christianity is not necessarily loving Jesus. We all love Jesus if you're a believer. You, of course you love Jesus. The true test of Christianity is not necessarily loving Jesus, but loving Judas. And David loved Saul, even though Saul wanted to kill him. Touch not the Lord's anointed, he said. Saul didn't deserve that kind of love, but nor did we. We don't deserve the love of Christ when he died for us, but he died for us anyway. He died for us while we were yet sinners, the Bible says. We see David as a picture of Christ in how he lived and what he did. Before, he relied on God to establish him. He never pushed his way through. Modern day Davids don't force, don't manipulate, don't execute vengeance. They trust God to establish them. They trust God to make a way for them. They don't try to do any kind of human manipulation. Modern day Davids will trust God despite their situation. As ugly as it might be, or as wonderful as it might be, they will not force their way into anything. David never forced himself into the kingdom. He never sought position. He never had an agenda. And because of that, God honored him. In 2 Samuel 3, 1, the Bible says David's camp got stronger and stronger, and Saul's camp got weaker and weaker. And in 2 Samuel 5, 12, the Bible says, and David perceived that God had established him. He saw it. Number five, David remembered his promise that he made to Jonathan. Modern day Davids keep their word. Modern day Davids, if they say something, they're going to do it. There's too much of this frivolity today. Just talk, 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 and nothing to back up. Well done is much better than well said, my friend. Modern day Davids, if they promise something, they keep it. It might take a few years, a few months, a few days, I don't know, but they'll keep what they say. And that's a testimony. Today, people's promises are so weak and fragile and tender and flaky like pie crusts. David remembered the covenant he made with Jonathan. What did he do? He asked, is there someone in Saul's family that I can show kindness to. I made a covenant with Jonathan. I told him I'm not going to do anything to harm your children or your grandchildren. And he found out that Jonathan had a son, Mephibosheth, in Lobidar. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, David goes to Lobidar and rescues a lame cripple, if you will. A cripple. He showed him kindness because he kept his promise. Modern day Davids keep their promise. And then lastly, and we're going to focus on this this morning, David always requested and inquired direction from God. Always sought God first. David, since we're with the R's, David requests direction. 
We see this in 1 Samuel 23, verse 4, 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 18. The Bible says, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I go? He didn't have to. It made sense naturally to do that. Well, Philistines are your enemy. They want to attack you, David. So you got to go up and fight them. That's what common sense will tell you. But David didn't regard that. It didn't matter if it made sense to him or not. He inquired of the Lord, what do you want me to do? We see this throughout David's early ministry and most of his life. He put God first. That's what set him apart. And he sets a precedent by doing these things for the rest of his life. Now, notice in our text, as we begin this morning, this is a major transition for David. David has now become king after 14 years of being on the run. After 14 years of being a fugitive, of being Saul's number one enemy, fearing for his life, going from cave to cave. David did some pretty difficult and, and terrible things during this time as well. Fear will cause you to do terrible things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. David did some things that he regretted later on in his life. But now, something has happened to David. He is now king. All these years have passed. It took years for the anointing to catch up with the appointing. It took years for the anointing to catch up to the appointing. David was anointed to be king at 16. He's now 30 years old. And the anointing that took place when he was a boy has now crystallized before him. My friends, I got a word for something. Listen, because you are anointed to do something doesn't mean you're going to be doing it right away. Because you're called to do something doesn't mean you're going to be doing it right away. This is very important because a lot of people who believe God has called them for something, they get a little antsy when they don't see it happening in their lives. And I can understand that because I'm that way too. But modern day Davids, they learn to be patient. And it's important that we learn this because if you don't, it can affect your lives. And because you've been anointed, that doesn't mean all is going to go well. It took 14 years for the anointing to catch up to the appointing. And in those 14 years, David didn't understand it. God was doing something to prepare him for this moment. And a lot of hell took place in David's life. And so because you're anointed for something... That doesn't mean that everything's going to be an easy ride. There's going to be some very difficult experiences that will cause your anointing to catch up to the appointing. A process. There's going to be preparation. Why? Because there's no shortcuts when it comes to God. In our humanity, we like shortcuts. In our humanity, we want to get there quicker and faster with less stress and less 
confusion as possible. Whatever it takes to get me there with, with more ease, I want to get there. If there's an elevator, I want to get, I, want, I don't want to take the steps, just give me an elevator. Nobody wants to take the steps, but God has no elevators in his kingdom. There's always steps. There's only the steps of a righteous man. And those steps of a righteous man, a lot of times are difficult steps. But those steps are extremely important. There are no drive-through breakthroughs with God. They don't exist. There's no such thing as a drive-through breakthrough. There are no drive-throughs in heaven. They don't exist. And drive-throughs are meant and given to us so we can get our cup of coffee, Tim Horton says, quicker. Or whatever it is, quicker. We don't want to wait in line. We want to, unfortunately, the drive-thrus take more time, it seems, than when you actually get into the place and wait for your food. Uh, that's what I've learned. But, but there's no such thing. God has no breakthroughs that are driveways. He's got no elevators. No shortcuts. None whatsoever. When thou goest, through the fire. When thou goest through, you gotta go through it. You gotta go through it. If you're a modern day David, you can be sure you're gonna go through something. If you're not going through something, you're not a David. Abraham was intensely tried, Genesis 22. You will be intensely tried if you are a David this morning. That's why you hear David saying, it was good, it was good, it was good for me to be. Who, when was the last time you said, you know what? It's, I'm going through hell, but it's a good thing. I'm suffering like I've never suffered, but it's a good thing. Really? You said that? Have you really? I heard a lot of people say the opposite. You see, but modern day Davids understand that your pain has a reason. Modern day Davids understand that your affliction has purpose. Modern day Davids understand the devil might be mighty, but God's the Almighty. And if I'm going through this, he has a reason for it. It is a good thing that I was afflicted. Because now I can see things I didn't see before. And so when the appointed time comes, my brothers and my sisters, you'll be ready. You need that affliction. You can't rush God. I like, you know what? I'm a type of, that's what I want to see. I'm, I'm tired. Lord, when? You know, I'm tired of this. When? But you can't rush God who sees in a way you don't see. You know, I really like bananas, but I don't like ripe bananas. Is there anybody with me? When they're ripe, it, it, it doesn't, it, it, too, too good. Pasty, don't like it. So, because I, I like fruit, I love fruit. I eat fruit, but I like fruit that's hard for some reason. I, know, I don't like fruit that's, any fruit that's too ripe. I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. If you're going to serve me grapes, make sure they're hard. If you're going to serve me a peach, make sure it's hard. If an apple especially, make sure it's hard. But a lot of times with hard fruit, it indicates that the fruit is not ripe, usually. Especially when it comes to bananas. 
Now, now I love bananas, especially when I was a boy. I, and, you know, I would really love to eat bananas. And I told I remember my mom, say, Mom, make sure the bananas are green. I used to tell her this all the time. And so we got our bananas when I was a kid. And I remember one day in particular, I ate this green banana. It was really green. And I, I, first of all, I had a hard time peeling the green banana. It's very difficult to peel a green banana. It sticks to the fruit too much. You, can't get, you try to peel it, but, it, it, but I, I eventually I got it. I unpeeled it somehow. And then I ate this green banana, and it tasted like, like flour, literally. And it was sticking to my, the roof of my mouth. I, I, I said, you think it's the opposite of pasty, but I'd rather have the paste. And it was like I could, it was the, and it didn't taste right. It, the banana wasn't ready. But you see, many of us try to rush God and we want to eat a green banana, but we're not ready. Oh, you, you think you're ready, but you're not ready. Go college, you're not ready. But I got a PhD. I don't care. You're not ready. 14 years. Caused the banana to get yellow for David. 14 years. Think about it. How many are so frustrated because they know they're called from God to do something, but you're not there yet, and it's frustrating, it's frustrating, it's frustrating, but God is working. He's preparing. Where does he prepare you? In the cave. Where does he prepare you? In the secret place. Where does he prepare you? In the dark. Oh, he never prepares you in the light. It's always a dark place, a misunderstood place, a place of confusion, a place where it's lonely. It's always a dark place. Not a friendly place either. It's dark. It's cold. But that's where God does his best work. And so when the fullness of time comes, yeah, 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 yes, when, when such a time as this comes, yeah, 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 when, when, when the suddenlies come, then you're ready, you're ready. But I wonder if David saw it when he was in the cave. I wonder if David understood that fully when he was running from Saul. He didn't because he made some serious mistakes at that time. But God was preparing him. And that is the most difficult time in your life is when you're on God's potter's wheel. When God is in the process of developing you and making you what your ultimate destiny is, it's the toughest place to be in. Year after year, you know what God has called you to do, but you're on this wheel and you're going round and round and, and it's difficult and it's dark and, and it seems like you're going nowhere. You're going round and round in circles and it's confusing to you and you don't understand it. But there you are in that moment, in that dark place. You know, friends, let me tell you something. The worst part of winter comes when it's almost over. Did you know that? I remember, I was in Brantford, Melody. I remember, Natty, do you remember that horrific storm in winter, we had in April? I couldn't believe, I was rejoicing, spring had sprung, I was all excited, and the worst winter storm took place in April. Never forgot that. Never. 
Happened a few times in March. The worst moment in your pregnancy, ladies, is when the baby is about to come. Oh, I, I can, I, I've seen this several times now. It's the worst moment of your pregnancy when the baby is just about to be born. Those last few hours are the toughest. The contractions are the strongest. The point, pain is the greatest when you are the closest to your breakthrough. Mm. It's always the darkest outside just before the sun is about to rise. It's always the darkest. And so David is anointed to be king and with this power and this promotion comes all kinds of pressure and all kinds of pain. Yeah, yeah, even though you're ready, that doesn't mean God's university is still oh, is over. No, no, you're still in his university. You're still in class, and there's still preparation. Friends, can I tell you something? This isn't something you might hear from some of these preachers today, but you know what? You're always in preparation. Did you know that? You're always on the potter's wheel because when you get to one level, God wants to bring you to another level and to get to that next level, you got to maintain that potter's wheel. Every growth takes place through darkness. Every growth takes place through some form of pain. Every growth takes place from some kind of pressure, some misunderstanding, some confusion, some mishap. And David went through God's university all of his life. Even when he was about to die, he learned something. And so now he's promoted as king. He's 30 years old. But something's about to happen to him. All this power. Oh, my friends, I see something. You didn't see it. You didn't see the Philistines. Watch this now. You didn't see the Philistines coming when you were dancing. You didn't see the Philistines coming when you were singing. You didn't see the Philistines coming when they anointed you king over Judah. You didn't see the Philistines coming when Samuel anointed you. You just, you saw the anointing and you rejoiced. You praised. You worshipped. You danced. I'm anointed. But you didn't see the Philistines coming. I've never been taught that. I've been taught, Pastor, that if I'm anointed, if God's hands on my life, then, then everything's going to be just fine. Do you hear that kind of preaching today? Just come to Christ. You won't have a problem. You'll never get sick. You ever hear that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll always be happy and joyous. And, and, and if you are sick, it's not, it's, you got no faith to believe. You're sick because you've got no faith. You're allowing the devil to play games with you. You're sick. You've got no faith. Something's wrong with you. Yeah, these motivational Christian speakers, the Tony Robbins dressed in bishop's clothing. Motivation, just motive, hype. Rah, 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 hype, hype giving an imbalanced doctrine, imbalanced teaching. It's ruining the church, diluting God's message. 
I never saw this coming because I've been taught that everything's going to be just fine. Just come to Jesus. That's true, but it's a half-truth. Coming to Jesus can also mean serious persecution. Coming to Jesus can also mean you're not of this world. And it's if you're not of this world, you can be sure the Philistines will come against you. But David didn't see it when he was anointed. He's dancing and singing, but here comes the enemy once again. Yeah, here comes the Philistines. And you can be sure, friends, the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 4 that when the word of God is placed in your heart, when it is planted, Satan cometh immediately to take away the word that's been sown. Mark chapter 4. He comes immediately. He'll do whatever he can to distract, to confuse, to defuse, to debunk, to defunct anything that has been taking root in your life. He'll do whatever he can to dissuade you to bring some form of disharmony and confusion Satan cometh immediately Peter tells us he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and he'll send a bunch of Philistines to bring you down you don't see it though when you're first anointed you don't fully grasp it because you're singing and you're praising but you don't see it you don't see it and verse 17 tells us something tells us that the Philistines heard about David and they didn't like it can you give me verse 17 please of our text I want you to see this verse 17 of chapter 5 look but when the Philistines watch this now I, I love every, don't you love every word of the Bible I do when the Philistines heard watch this now that they had anointed David over Israel all the Philistines came to seek David they didn't come to seek David to give him flowers and to give him the congratulations. They came to kill him. You think, oh, I got something. This is for free. You can catch this. Are you ready? You think because God blesses you that everyone's going to be excited about it? <laughs> oh, that's why you got blessed. He got promoted. Oh, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. And then when behind the back, they take a couple of daggers and they stab you a couple of times. No, 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 my friends. Because you've been promoted doesn't mean everybody's going to rejoice. You see, but modern day Davids, they do. Remember, David did not rejoice over King Saul's death. That's the difference between the world and true godliness. When you see someone hurting and in pain, you do what you can to help them. But you see, but you see, the Philistines heard that David was anointed and they came down to deal with him. Notice the word all. Wow. I, thought, I like every word in the Bible. All the Philistines, from the young to the old, they hated David. They hated David. Of course they hated David. Let me tell you something, friends. If you're a man of God, truly, you think everybody's going to love you? <laughs> you think because you, you pray and you seek God and you're a modern day David that everybody's going to want to be close to you and tell you how wonderful let me the very opposite could be true that's why and I've said this before that's why modern day Davids many of them are very lonely they are because not everybody's able to connect 
When you study some of our forefathers and some of these great men of God, they didn't have all these great friends, by the way. A lot of them were misunderstood. All we know of David, he had only one real friend, Jonathan, and he died. You don't see David having many friends. In fact, his own family went against him. His sons wanted to kill him. We're talking about David! Arguably the greatest man of God that ever lived. Not everyone who hears of your blessing is happy for you. You know, I was thinking about this, and I found myself in Luke chapter 13. I want to read this. A real powerful, I preached on this a few years ago. And you know what? It's, a, it, it, it's amazing how incredible this is. I want you to see something here. Chapter 13, verse 10. And, and Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no way lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thy infirmity. And he said, and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So having a praise time, God has healed somebody. People are rejoicing Giving God the glory, ah, but here come the Philistines dressed up as Pharisees. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. Six days in which men ought to work and then therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. What are you doing? They, were, they weren't rejoicing. They were complaining about some doctrine. See, Pharisees like to talk about dogma, doctrine over lives, over what's happening with what God is doing. Give me... Focusing on the exterior. The letter of the word killeth. See, Pharisees focus on the letter of the word and not the spirit. Here's Jesus just healed a woman. 18 years, the devil has bound her. You should be praising God instead. They're not rejoicing, they're cursing. Let me tell you something. Sometimes people will curse you when the blessing comes. So what do modern day David do? Do they give up? Do they just give up because not everybody loves you? And everybody? No, my friends. You keep going stronger than you ever have. Stronger. And so the Bible tells us that the Philistines are coming one more time to kill him despite who David is. Wait a minute. Hold on a second, Mr. Philistine. You're coming against David? Are you not fearful? Do you not remember what David did to Goliath, your champion? Have you not read his resume? David, the great warrior, killed, supposed to kill 100 Philistines. He killed 200 just for fun. And through this, the, the, I won't get into the details of that, but we all know the story. David! No greater warrior. And not only that, but he has the anointing of God upon him. You don't want to mess with David, do you? The giant killer, the one who they sing songs. David who killed his tens of thousands. You want, you want to go after David, Mr. Philistine? Yeah, that's right. You see, friends, it seems to me the stronger you are in God, 
the more Philistines might be after you. You see, he'll leave you alone if you're just sitting on a pew and warming it up. Saying a lot of things but doing nothing. Criticize but never bring the solution. Yeah, he'll leave you alone. But they're after David despite his resume. And what does David do despite all of his accomplishments, all of his experiences? My friends, are you ready what modern day Davids do? Here's the key to David's life. What I'm about to tell you is what made David great and what set him apart from every human being of his day. He falls on his face, on his knees, and he prays, Lord, what do you want me to do? Shall I go up? Will you deliver me, Lord? But wait a minute, David, hold on a second. Why, why are you praying? Didn't God deliver you before? Didn't you have the same problem with the Philistines just a few months ago? You don't need to pray about it. He did it for you before. He'll do it for you again. You don't have to pray. It's the same problem. It's the same Philistines. Why would you want to inquire? It's take for granted. Obviously, God's going to deliver you. Obviously, he wants you to fight the Philistines. You did it before, you can do it again. It's the same situation, isn't it, David? Life lesson, life lesson, life lesson. Are you ready, Mr. Modern David? Here it is. You see, modern David, you see, David associates, what? Associates success with prayer. David makes his association with success by praying. To David, that's what success is. To David, that's what it's about. Not what I used to do, not what I did, not my defeat against Goliath, not, not, not my, 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 my abilities with the sword. David associates success with prayer, not with power, ability, or force. This series was spawned by my series I did in Gideon. And it was spawned one day when I was on vacation, and I remembered something about Gideon, where Gideon failed in success. And I entitled the series, Succeeding in Success. You might think it's ridiculous. How do you say... And how you succeed in success is extremely important and will determine your future. Gideon failed. He failed in success. And all the accomplishments he did were not even remembered and his own people turned against him. This mighty man of valor, this man that did tremendous things but failed in his success. How many people today fail in success? How many people today start well, but they fail in success because it got to their heads. They started to depend upon themselves and their ability and their savvy and their intelligence and their past experiences. Well, I killed Goliath. I killed 200 on my own. I did this. I did that. They were singing about me. They were telling, even the women, they were dancing. I happened to King Uzziah. It happened to King Asa. Even Hezekiah, 
when he showed the temple and all the treasuries to the Babylonians, the enemies of God. Hezekiah is entertaining the Babylonians, the enemy. Look at God's house. What, what are you doing? It's happened to many men. It's happened to many preachers today. And I tell you now, Mr. Preacher, if God has promoted you, you are not invincible. Nobody's invincible. Nobody is indispensable. You see, the problem with success is you start believing it, and then you start thinking you're indispensable. And that's the beginning of your fall. Nobody is indispensable. Nobody. Not even David. True men of God rely on prayer and seeking God's face above everything else. In Exodus 17, there's another battle. Israel is fighting against the Midianites. And we see this so clearly in Moses' life. The Bible tells us that Joshua went to fight the Midianites by sword and they were losing the battle. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of Joshua thinks the battle's by the sword. I'm going to defeat the Midianites by the might of my hand. But the Bible tells us they were losing the battle. You can't fight the devil with human efforts. Swords and bullets. And then there's Moses on the mountain lifting up his hands, interceding and praying. And as Moses did that, the battle was turning in favor of the Israelites. And we see very clearly that as we intercede and persist, even when our hands get heavy, many of us pray, but we don't pray consistently. Listen, we all go to prayer meetings, but we don't go consistently. Now we're having a prayer meeting here on Wednesday, starting this week. I want to see how many are going to come. Oh, Pastor Dino, don't let, please don't give me these. I'm not, I'm not saying this to. I mean, I'm being honest with you. Do you value prayer? That's my question. Do you value it? So Moses recognized that the battle is in the spirit. David understood that. That's what made David so great. Friends, can I say something? That is it. David was not great because of his character. David was great because he was a man after God's heart. Do you, do you understand what that means? Not after his head. Not after degrees and intelligence. That's important. I, look, I believe in studying as much as anybody else, but that's not what I rely on, nor should you. I'm not going to rely on my strengths. Because I'm a man, I could fall and fail like all these other preachers who have fallen because they started to depend on their abilities and their expertise. David never did that. He associated success with prayer. My friends, can I ask you a question this morning? Do you associate success with prayer or do you associate success with your talent and your ability and your power and money and prestige 
and pedigrees and abilities. Oh my, if that's you, you're no better than the world because that's how the world values success. How big is your house? How big is your car? How big is your organization? How smart are you? Did you go to university? We need university. But did you, if you don't have a degree, I'm not looking at you. You know, some of the greatest preachers in the world never went to Bible college. Never! Thank you, Mr. Jones, for coming to this interview. Let me just look at your qualifications here. Hold on a second. Let me see now. All right. You, you, didn't, you didn't go to university. Okay. You only have three months experience. Okay. Yeah. What's this? You dropped out of school when you were... Okay. But you were running away from... What's this? this? No, I don't think you qualify, sir. Thank you very much. I don't think you qualify. I don't think you qualify. Let me say something to you, my friends. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. David was the least qualified of them all. But he had one thing going for him that nobody else did. He was a man after God's heart. Maybe, my brothers and my sisters, it's hard for you to pray because, are you ready? You don't value it. Oh, there's no amens this morning. I know that. That's good. But maybe, maybe you find it difficult to pray because you don't value prayer because if you valued prayer you'd be praying more than you do and I'm not talking about Wednesday nights or Friday nights you can go to a Friday night prayer for that two hour window and don't pray the whole week I'm not talking about being physically at a prayer meeting, I'm talking about your life talk about your life when you're in the dark place, when there's nobody around you, when the pastor's not there and the music stops, what are you doing? When tribulations come knocking on the door, what are you doing? That's what I'm talking about. Some of you are not praying, not because you don't believe it, you just don't value it. Because we always, oh hallelujah, we always make time for the things we value. That's right, Mr. Golf Player that wakes up at 4.30 in the morning to make sure he's at the golf course by 5. But you'll never see him at a prayer meeting because it's too early or it's too late. No, 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 David... God says, I don't want you to engage in this battle without 
praying David. And so David inquired of the Lord. He's saying, if God is with me, then I don't really need to come with many soldiers. I'm just going to, whatever it, I, I just need to hear your voice, Lord. Whatever you say, I don't need a lot of men. Maybe he read the story of Gideon when he fought, when he fought the Midianites with 300 men who weren't even soldiers. They didn't even know how to carry a sword or a spear. And yet God defeated 135,000 men with 300 so-called soldiers who couldn't distinguish between a sword and a spear, who qualified enrollment to the army by how they drank water. Wow. No, Lord, I, I just need to hear your voice. I trust in you. Some trust in horses, David said. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in their swords and their abilities and their degrees and pedigrees. But I will trust in the Lord. I may not understand it, but I'm going to trust it. I may not see it, but I'm going to trust in it. I may not feel it, but I'm going to trust in the Lord. My God doesn't matter how strong or how weak or how powerful that's why David said in 2nd Samuel chapter 22 it is by my God it is by my God that he gives me strength uh, to run he gives me feet to run through a wall think about it he gives me strength he gives me feet to run through a troop this is what David's saying it is God and by him alone he's my strength he's my fortress I fought Goliath and destroyed him because of God's power I was able to kill 200 Philistines by myself because of God's power it's all by God's power it's only by his power it's not by might or by, but by my spirit and we need to see God for who he is the omnipotent one the omniscient one the immutable one the omnipresent one the El Gabor the El Elyon the almighty the great I am this is the kind of God you serve and that's why he killed Goliath because he saw a big God while Israel saw a big giant. My God. That's where the victory comes. That's where the victory comes. In 2 Corinthians, thanks be to Christ who always causes me to triumph. Ah! These modern day preachers won't tell you this though. These Tony Robin preachers, they won't tell you this. But! there's a but friends there's a but and I'll tell you what the but is to get the victory it must be God's way you've heard it you've heard it on TV and you might say pastor why do you keep talking about this because it's polluted the church last time I checked I'm still a pastor and as a pastor I'm not only called to teach but I'm also called to warn there's some terrible things going on in what we call the church today. There's some horrific things that are going on in what we call preaching today. It's a one-sided gospel, but it's not true. They give you only one side, but not both. Look, even a dead clock is right twice a day. They'll tell you, hallelujah, 
keep shouting, God is so good. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you. He wants to anoint you. He wants to heal you. Every God loves you. God they loves you. They'll talk about love. Oh, love. God loves you. He loves you. You're so good. You're so wonderful. Just keep thinking God's going to help you no matter what you He'll accept you for who you are. It doesn't matter what you did. He loves you. Yes, it does matter. And I'll tell you why. Because they'll forget to tell you the other side of the coin where the Bible says whatever you sow you will reap so while you're waiting for God to bless you hallelujah God's going to be a, what about what you did behind the scenes two weeks ago that you don't want anybody to know is God going to still bless you what about that money you owe what about the lies and deceits you've done what about the, the people you've harmed and killed is God going to still bless you while you're shouting and dancing you think God's going to forget about all those things whatever you sow but they won't tell you that. They'll generically tell you how much God loves you and how he wants to bless you and how great he is and how wonderful. But, but that might be true for some of you, but that's not true for that person that did some terrible things when nobody is looking. Listen, friends, God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, they won't tell you that. That's why their churches are packed. That's why you got thousands of people going to these churches. The Tony Robbins dressed in bishop's clothing. They're just motivational speakers, friends. There's no gospel here. It's all about me, myself, how I can get ahead, how I can better myself as a human. There's no cross, there's no blood, there's no... It's not there. There's no repentance. It's not there. It's a synthetic gospel. And it's progressive Christianity personified and it's permeating and polluting the church today. Oh, Pastor Dino, stop being so negative. <laughs> you don't want me to go. Does not the Bible tell us that we have to test the spirits? Does not the Bible tell us that we are to warn, instruct? Does not the Bible say to mark those who cause division? Does not the Bible say you will know them by their fruits? I'm only telling you this maybe because I do care. Listen, friends, doctrine matters. Last time I checked. But these preachers, they don't care what the Word of God says. They'll say love. Love. Love everybody. Love everybody. Gay, straight, black, white. Yes, love everybody. Doesn't matter what they do. Love them all. Of course we're to love everybody. Of course we are to love everybody. But when it contradicts his word and the Philistines are upon us, something's got to be done. Somebody's got to take a stand. For the new people that are members, becoming members. That's what I tried to say to you last week when you came to my class. Take a stand. I don't see that much today. We're too concerned about what other people think. 
We want to be politically correct. We don't want to offend anybody, so we want to accept everybody. But friends, by accepting everybody, we offend God. I can't offend. I don't want to offend God because I'm going to stand before him. I'm not going to stand before bishop or before the pastor or before a denomination. I'm going to stand before God. He's going to ask me, Dino, you knew the truth. Why didn't you preach it? What, you're scared about what they're saying? Is that what it is? I can't be scared. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And so therefore, that's why I try to do what I try to do. I might fail on occasion, but I try to do because I care enough to let you know that there's a lot of deception out there and modern day David's inquire of the Lord and seek and put God first. get the victory it must be God's way you see God doesn't ensure victory unless he is consulted God does not ensure victory unless he is put first seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness Jesus said and all these things shall be added Jeremiah says call upon me and I will answer you and show you call upon me not the bishop not the past, call upon me. Call, God is looking for you to consult him. Men ought to pray always and faint not. Luke 18, 1. James 5, the effectual fervent prayer, the effectual consistent prayer, the effectual prayer on fire, what is that? It's, it availeth much. You must be consistent and you must seek him and be diligent in seeking him. He must be consulted. And so David said, shall I go up, Lord? God, you can hear him saying, I, I just want you to seek me every day, David. I don't want you to rely on your own abilities. Oh, David, you're a great man, but I don't want you to trust in yourself. David, I've given you many gifts, but I don't want you to rely on yourself. Oh, you won't hear this too much today. Because today, we talk about, you're great. Oh, you got it in you, man. You got power. You got strength. You are wonderful. Like Nike, just do it. You got it, man. Everything, you, it's all in you. It's all, and, and I heard, a me- I, heard I listened sp- to a message and if I mention the person's name, you might collapse. You know what? I might do it. Do you want me to do it? T.D. Jakes and his daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His daughter, sorry. Title the message, Tapping Into Your Divinity. Tapping into your divinity. You see, these modern day preachers that stem from the prosperity gospel somehow think that they are demi little gods. That's right. They got certain divinity issues. Yeah, yeah. But with your born of God, you'll have part of God in you. And they twist the scripture of what it means to be born again. In other words, what they're saying is, although we're supposed to be like Jesus, that's the way we live. They're saying we are really like Jesus. We're like little Jesuses. That's what they're saying. That they have like a divinity in them like Christ. Now friends, I want you to realize how blasphemous that is. This is blasphemy. 
You can never tap into your divinity. You don't have divinity. I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's all I am. Doesn't mean I can't do great works. Doesn't mean I can't be strong. Doesn't mean I can't be used of God. Doesn't mean I don't have the anointing. But it doesn't come from me. It comes from Him. And they'll misquote scriptures like greater works than you'll do even greater than what Jesus. And they'll tell you, you see, you've got God in you. You can do greater than Jesus. Twist the scriptures and misuse it. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of, and they're the most popular preachers. They all believe this. Go deeper, friends. Check it out for yourselves. I can give you more names, but I won't. If you want to know them, come and see me and I'll tell you. I'll tell you. And then check it for yourselves. Don't take my word for it. Check it for yourselves. Do some research. Let my people think. Very deceptive too. Why do you think Jesus said, be careful because even the very elect can be deceived? Do you know how many people being deceived today? I want you to seek me, David, and to rely on me, not on your abilities. And this is what King Asa did not do. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, watch this now. Watch this, 2 Chronicles chapter 16. We'll look at verse number 7. I want you to see something. And the time that Hanai, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of your hand. Fast forward to verse number 12. And Asa in, in the 30 and 9th year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not the Lord, but physicians. Did you see? Here is Asa who sought God and was known. Revival came through his ministry. But then by and by, something happened to Asa. He started depending on man. He started relying on the king of Syria. And then when he got sick, he didn't even seek God for healing. Wow. Didn't consult the Lord even while he was dying. That's how reprobate he became. Listen, friends, when you put your confidence in man, Eventually, it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy you. And you're going to start relying on man for everything. I got, listen, I got no problem with doctors. I believe in doctors. I don't go to many doctors, but I believe in doctors. I believe God's placed them there. But when I get sick, I pray first to God. And then I go to a doctor. But I seek God first. Asa didn't seek God at all. And God gave him an opportunity to call upon him. That's about of his love. But he turned his back on God. How many people today start well, but they turn their back on God? I got to wind down here this morning. My time is slipping. So watch this now. Here comes the enemy. In verse 22, the second time. The second time. And you can... Count on it, friends. The second time, here comes the devil out to destroy the Davids. Yes, and here is David. Watch this now. 
Here it is. Here's his greatness. Are you ready? Here's the greatness of David. Here it is. Here it is. David, David separates tradition from re relationship. He separates tradition from relationship. Tradition from... What is tradition? Well, I got to do what I've always done. Tradition. How did I did it? I did, I did it this way before. So I'm going to do it again. I've been pastoring like this for 50 years. I got to continue. I've been praying like this for 25 years. I got to continue. I've been doing it this way for 70 years. I got to continue. I've been working like... for. I got to... Tradition says keep doing it the same way over and over and over again. And so tradition might be knocking at David's heart and say, David, they're coming after you again, same Philistines, so just do what you did before. You might as well do what you did before. You got the victory before by doing what you did. Certainly you can get the victory the same way this time. There's no difference. It's the same enemy. But David sees something. You see, tradition that says, since this is the same enemy I fought, the same territory, and I know how to deal with it, I know I've dealt with it before, I'm going to do it again! But no! David inquires of the Lord. Hold on, I know it's the same enemy. Hold on, I know they're the Philistines. I've dealt with them all over and over. But, but let, me, let me seek God. Maybe God. Maybe God's going to show me something. Maybe God's going to tell me something. Maybe God's going to give me some kind of direction. I know what I did before, but maybe God's going to show me something fresh. Mm. Something fresh. Something that I may not see. You see, David honors relationship over tradition. Oh my God, here we go. David honors, modern day Davids honor their relationship over their denomination, over their church, over anything. They honor God first, not the building. Oh, you might get, but Pastor, think about what I'm saying. How many people have deified their building? deified their denomination no nope. I'm a Pentecostal and that's it I'm, I'm a Baptist no. who cares if you're Pentecostal if you're Baptist you really you, you see, I don't care God doesn't care what he cares about do you have a relationship with him David values relationship over tradition well, it's so important so so important. I, I, I can't understand how important this is. Yes, it's the same problem, but I'm going to do something different. I, got a, I, need, I need a fresh anointing, Lord. I need, I need something fresh. I, I need to hear your voice because I, I don't know. There must be something, maybe there's something different going on. You see, I, I can't be successful by fighting today's battles on yesterday's tactics. Can I say that again? I can't be successful by fighting today's battles on yesterday's tactics. Why do you think the Bible says? Don't you love that? Billy Graham always said, the Bible says. That's one thing I remember about Billy Graham. All he, the Bible says. You hear him every sermon he preached. The Bible says. Well, the Bible says, be ye filled with the Spirit of God. And that's written in the press. It means keep on being filled. Keep on receiving a fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. 
fresh endowment. There's nothing worse than people doing it the same way, always, always, always the same way. The same way, you see, you see, David could have done that. And that's why God told the Israelites, pick up enough manna for that day. Don't pick up for the next days. It's going to stink. How many times are we doing things and we, but it stinks because the manna has got stale. Oh, don't let me go there because that's another sermon. Stale. It's not fresh. That's why sometimes when I'm pastoring, I don't do things like I've done all the time. That's why I might take a little break by doing certain things. People may not agree with it, but there's a reason for it. We've got to ask ourselves, whatever we're doing in the church, is, is it really God's will or is it my, I'm only doing it because of tradition? Well, pastor, we've had this for the last 30 years. This, this night, we did it on this night. For the last 30 years, we've been doing this on this night. Really? You think God cares that you're doing it on that night? What about another night? Or something a little bit different? Is this not the message that God gave Joshua when he told him to go into Cana? When he told him to destroy Jericho? Do you know God gave different... It's amazing what God did. Yes, God destroyed Jericho, but he gave Joshua different direction. But Joshua had to hear it. And Joshua was a man of prayer. In fact, the Bible says, and Joshua tarried all night. Joshua tarried in prayer, and he heard his voice. And he told Joshua, Joshua, I want you to go into, into, into Jericho. And I want you to, it's, it's going to be destroyed, but I want you to go by day. I want you to go by day. Everybody will see you. Seems kind of strange because normally you would do it by night, wouldn't you? Go by day. And by the way, Joshua, I want you not to touch any spoils whatsoever. Doesn't make sense. When you destroy a city or you're going to another place and you defeat them, you take all the spoils you, 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 you want. But no, 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 no. Don't take any, you know that God was speaking to him and you know that he heard because it didn't make sense to go by day and not to touch the spoils and that's exactly what he did and then the next place called Ai God told him to go and destroy Ai and God gave him the very opposite in direction, I want you to go by night and I want you to take anything you want what was the difference God, he heard God's voice most of us would have fought Ai the same way we fought Jericho don't get so quiet on me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Because we did it this way before. But maybe God has something else in store. See, modern day Davids inquire about everything. Even if it makes sense or doesn't make sense. That's how you keep the manna fresh, my friends. God says, I'm going to do something different. Listen to my voice, David. I told you last time you went up, and you destroyed them face to face. But I want you to do something. I want you to listen to my instruction, David, because this is not going to make sense. I want you to listen to my instructions, David, because this is not going to make sense. They that wait upon the Lord, they that wait, uh, the Lord works on behalf of those who wait upon Him. There's a, yeah, yeah, Lamentations 3, the Lord, the Lord is good to those who wait upon Him. There's something that happens when you inquire. There's something that happens when you wait on God. 
God gives David a word that did not make sense to him at all. Sometimes God will give you a word that does not make sense at all. In fact, most of the time he does. Can I be brutally honest with you? And he waited as he inquired. Friends, are you ready for this? Sometimes doing nothing is doing something. Life lesson number five, I think it is by now. Sometimes doing nothing is doing something. When you're waiting on God and you think nothing's happening, the greatest victories take place. They that wait upon the Lord. An eagle, that comes from Isaiah 40, 31. An eagle waits for his feathers to grow back. When an eagle finds himself getting a little older, I preached a series on the spiritual value of the eagle. It was the greatest man I've never had. I don't know how many people viewed this. I couldn't believe it. When an eagle gets a little older and its feathers get a little weaker, what an eagle does, he goes upon some, and if you've heard me say this, goes upon some kind of cliff and he finds some water and he flies as strong as he can and hits the water with all of its might, loosening up the feathers. He swims, eagles can swim, swims off and finds another cliff of sorts and there he waits. And as he's waiting, he's plucking off all those old feathers that have hindered him. And it's a painful experience. When God wants to put new feathers on you, it's going to hurt. Oh, there's another sermon. I've got all kinds of sermons today. But the eagle waits. He waits. His feathers are being plucked out and he's waiting for his feathers to grow back. It, could take, it, could take, it actually takes about a month. Imagine that, a month, you're waiting. My! But then when the weather, feathers grow back, oh, he goes upon the cliff, he's there already, and a fresh wind comes, fresh manna comes, and he spreads his wings. Man, oh man. And he's able to mount up like never before. The eagle waits for new feathers. Some of you have lost patience in waiting. You're trying to fly with old feathers. No, my friend. They that wait upon the Lord. And so, hang up the phone, my friend. Put down the computer. Shut the door. Pull down the blinds. Get off the phone and go to the throne. Stop wasting time calling, doing this. Lock yourself in. And do what the eagle does. Wait upon the Lord. David inquired of God three different times when he knew he could have very easily defeated the Philistines, but he didn't use his strength. He didn't use old tactics. He waited on God and God gave him direction that did not make sense. Wow! Wait on God. Get your information. Get your direction. And some of you friends are experiencing the Philistines at your door. And you're tired and you're in pain. But I believe with all my heart 
something's about to happen. Yes, I'm talking about modern day Davids. I'm coming out of this. I'm waiting on God. He's going to restore me. There's the eagle. He's waiting. He's waiting on that cliff. And feathers are growing. For some of us, feathers are starting to grow back. Oh, the, the God has plucked out the old ones. All those trials and tribulations. It's painful when the feathers are being plucked out. But now something's happening. Something. It took time. You didn't see it coming. We don't see victory when we're in the caves. We don't see victory when pain is all around us. We don't see the result when we're in confusion. But the feathers are growing. Like Samson's hair when he was going around with that mill when he was being made fun of when he was cast into a pit the Bible says and Samson's hair began to grow some of you don't see it but your hair is beginning to grow the feathers are starting to come back God is going to do something he's going to restore those years that the locust he's going to rescue some of you from drowning he's going to reveal himself strong because you've been waiting you've been waiting you've been seeking and God is saying okay David you've sought me you've inquired you've inquired not only once not only twice but three times in just a few weeks you, you could have done it your way but you didn't you could have done it the natural way but you didn't you inquired you sought me. You sought me. That's why David is one of the greatest men. Don't you love the fact that a man after God's heart, uh, oh God, thou art my God, my God, my personal God. Thou art my God, not not pastor's God, not my father's God. Thou art my God early, not late when I'm tired and confused. Early will I seek you. Early when I get up. You got God on your mind, you'll pray. Early will I seek thee. Early will I, my soul, I'm thirsty. I'm not thirsty for, I'm thirsty for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh, even my body aches for you. My flesh, my longer feet, in a dry and weary land. It's dry, it's weary. I gotta turn to God. I can't turn on the news all the time. I can't go to the politicians all the time. I can't go to the, I gotta seek with a dry and weary land where there's no water. I can't find any water. I can't, I can't, there's no water. I gotta find water from the well that's dry where there's no, to see thy power in the, oh Lord, I gotta see your power. Gotta see your glory. Because it's all about you. I, I know I'm gifted, Lord. I know I've been anointed, but I can't do it. I know I'm a man of prayer, Lord, but it's, it's, I can't do it. It's only you. To see that pounder. So as I've seen in the sanctuary, Lord, do it again in the sanctuary. Do it again. Like in the days of Solomon when the minstrels played and worshipped. And the glory came. Send your glory. To see thy power and thy glory in the, in the sanctuary. My soul thirsts for thee. My soul will only be satisfied with you, Lord. When I remember thee upon my bed and I meditate upon thee in the night watches. Modern day Davids, they meditate on God. In the night watches, in the day watches, they don't have schedules. They pray in the spirit. It's a lifestyle. A lifestyle. I remember thee upon my bed and meditate upon thee in the night watches. For my soul followeth hard after thee. Hard! Speaks of passion. 
That's why David received what he received and experienced. I want you to go, David, to this tree called the mulberry tree. What? That's what you're telling me, Lord? To go by a tree? Yeah, don't just go by the tree, David. I want you to wait once again. See, in God's economy, you always have to wait. It's always waiting. Wait until you hear something, till you see the wind, till you hear the voice of angels singing, till you hear the rushing of the mulberry trees, the leaves rustling. We've heard it. When the wind blows, you're in your backyard or you're walking and you hear the trees rustling. When you hear the rustling of what? This specific tree. God is a God of specifics. It's a mulberry tree. It's not a juniper tree. It's not an oak tree. It's not a maple tree. It's a mulberry tree. God has something specific for you. A place to go. A mulberry. And by there, when you hear it, once you hear my voice that's coming as a rustling of these leaves of these trees, I want you to no hesitation and that's where we miss it friends we hesitate we hesitate God is speaking and we still hesitate that's our humanity we're always we're too apprehensive most of us and that's based with fear what if I don't know when you hear the mulberry trees the you take off David that's my you obey you go forward I'm going to give you the victory but you need to listen you need to wait you need to hear my voice and then you go and then you go don't go any other way not because the circumstances tell you it's right not because the circumstances tell you it's wrong I want you to do it when you hear the rustling of the leaves but don't hesitate now I told this to my wife this day. Coming to church today. I got it, I'm closing. Just hang in there. I'm closing. But you got to hear this. Can I ask you a rhetorical question? Well, maybe I'll. You've driven down the streets. You've walked down the streets. And you've seen, inevitably, roadkill. Has anybody seen roadkill before? Now, let me ask you a question. Let's see if you're on the same page. There's different animals that get killed, correct? There's birds. There's mammals. What is the animal that is the most killed or the animal that experiences more roadkill than any other animal on the streets? Does anybody know? Squirrel. squirrel. Now why? I'm going to tell you why. Watch the squirrel. Hey. Hesitation. When you hesitate like that, and you're not sure? A truck's coming, man. A Philistine's coming. And you're going to get run over. Too much apprehension tells me you're still grappling with fear. David heard the voice and he responded without hesitation. Oh, for the modern Davids to rise up today. Why are you so hesitant? Why are you so fearful?
my voice, Lord. When you hear the trees, go forward. I've got your back, David. I anointed you for this purpose. But I had to teach you some lessons, David, so you can hear my voice. And I had you in the caves so you can learn to wait upon me. I've had you run for 14 years so you can learn to trust me and not yourself. I had to do that because you just killed a giant and you could have got a little cocky, David. You just killed 200 Philistines. You could have got a little cocky, David. So I had Saul after you for 14 years to humble you, to break you from one cave to the next uh, so that one day you'll learn to wait on me and depend upon me. Some of you are under attack this morning. Philistines have surrounded you. Don't move. You've got to find a mulberry tree, my friend. Don't depend upon your ability either. Don't depend upon what you used to do. David could have gone into battle because he always did the same way, but he valued relationship over tradition. And God gave him a fresh word. Some of you are in a position now, you need a fresh word from God. Here's where you normally get it. Can I delete the word normally? Here's where you always get it. And God will confirm it. You need something fresh. Stop running. Stop hiding. Continue to wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew them. The Lord is good to those who wait the Lord works on behalf of those who wait upon him, Isaiah 60. Not on behalf of those who are smart, who are qualified, but those who wait. Got to close. One of the greatest stories I've, and experiences I've ever had in my entire life, I've had a few of them, but I've, this story I'm going to tell you, I've seen the power of God in a way I've never seen before up to that point in my life. I was working with my mother, 1980-81. And I would witness to all the people that were there. Now, back then in Montreal, it was in St. Hubert and St. Catherine. It was all French. Nobody spoke. There was no English whatsoever. I, I don't ever recall speaking English except to my mother. All the people in Place du Pris spoke French. Nobody, somebody didn't even speak English. And that's important because I met a girl there. Her name was Danielle. Didn't speak one word of English. Long story short, led her to Christ. I prayed with her, and uh, she gave her life to Christ. And everybody shouting amen, and I was all excited. And then she said something to me that kind of shook me a bit. She goes, Dino, I, I, I want to go to your church. I said, well, Danielle, um, we don't speak French in our church. We have a French assembly, but I, I, it's all English. She, and then... There was hesitation, and the Spirit of God spoke to my heart right there. He says, Dino, don't make that assumption. 
I know, I know, I know, I, I know it makes sense that, but, but don't, don't do that. Let her come. I, I tell you, friends, it was so strong. Then I said to her, okay, doesn't matter, we'll, we'll, we'll go. So I brought her to church. Sunday evening, back in those days, Sunday evening meant something. Today, Sunday evening, <laughs> the TV's on, we're watching uh, Days of Our Lives or something, I don't know. But it, uh, sorry, sorry, that's in the morning. So I'm, uh, that goes to show you how much I, Okay. So she comes Sunday night, we were together, and I'm praying. I said, God, I, I don't know how she's going to. So Pastor Johnson, bless his soul, passed away a few years ago. My first, my, really my first pastor. He's the one that told me to go to Bible college. He's preaching. And what is he preaching on? Tithing. Lord, Lord, you told me to trust you to, to, to bring her to church. None of this doesn't understand English. Now, now she's going to think we're a money-hungering, you know, <laughs> that I brought her to church so I can get some money out of her. You know, it's part of the reason why I don't preach on tithing, by the way, and that's true. So I, 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 I said, okay, okay, Lord. And I, I felt, again, a still small voice in my speech. Trust me, Dino. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. The Lord knows. So he's preaching on tithing and he says, sorry brothers and sisters, I got to stop my message. I'm sorry he says I got to stop this message right here. The Lord has spoken to me to speak. That's right. Are you ready Mr. Liberal Theologian to speak against homosexuality? What? I said, oh no, now it's even worse. Because, you know, she's, she's, she's a lesbian, okay? Did I mention that? I didn't mention that. Yeah, she's a lesbian. Yeah, a, a, a very outward lesbian. And he begins to speak about homosexuality. Romans chapter 1 starts talking about how the natural affection of man with a woman turned from man to man, and he goes on to explain. And inside me, I'm saying, well, she doesn't understand, so maybe I didn't want, we didn't want, I didn't want to offend her. So I was using my natural mind. Didn't want to offend her. Didn't want to offend her. And I figured, okay, then. Now, mind you, I'm translating to her from English to French. So now I'm really stuck. <laughs> and so I'm about to, as the Lord is my witness this morning, I'm about to translate, and all of a sudden she starts to weep. She turns to me, she goes, je comprends, I understand. I said, je comprends quoi? Qu que je comprends qu'est-ce que le pasteur, I understand what the pastor is saying. I said, what do you mean? You don't speak English. He goes, do you know? I know. But, I don't know, but I started to understand what he was saying. What? The Lord opened her understanding and she began to weep. The, uh, the, the folks, and then this story just gets me every time. She, so the altar call, Pastor Johnson, to give an altar call against home. Back in our day, that day, this was 1981. These, you know, I don't ever recall an altar call for these things. He makes an altar call. And Danielle gets up, comes to the front. I couldn't believe this. 
and prayed for her. She fell down under the power of God. Nobody pushed her, just nothing, just boom. God did a work in her life. Got up and connected with her after that. And I went to college after that, shortly after, so I didn't really connect with her. I lost that's one thing I'm not very good at is keeping up with things in the past, but I lost her number and that was it. But I believe God had something very special for her. Two things happened, friends. Hearing God's voice and the fact that she wanted to come, I didn't want her to come because she didn't speak English, but the Lord said, and God opened her understanding to hear because there's a hungry heart. Folks, you want to hear from God? Stop going to people. Close the blinds and shut yourself in that door. It's time to seek the Lord and inquire. I'm telling you folks, that's the only answer for today. That's your answer. That's my answer. There's no other answer. And you, when you hear His voice, because you will, it may not make sense, but obey. Obey it. Obey it. Obey it. And watch and see how the modern day David will rise up today to make a difference in this world. Let us all stand together, please. Today is Membership Sunday. I preach this message for the church, but for the members. Members... the new members, to understand as new members what it means to be modern day Davids. That as you are enrolled in this, the enrollment of membership doesn't make you spiritual. To be a member doesn't automatically make you a modern day David. We talked about it in our class, what membership is, and I'm not going to go over that this morning. But the principle is what's important this morning. The principle of commitment. The principle of trusting God and waiting on God. That's what set David apart from all the other kings. He inquired and obeyed when it didn't make sense. Modern day Davids inquire and obey. His voice, not a preacher's voice.